Welcome to X to Z Pod. Welcome. So I am Kelly. I am a Gen X eek. Um, so theoretically, Gen X started in 64. I was born in 1967, which the calendar would love to tell you is the summer of love. Now, you would think by that that I would know something about the 1960s, but wait, I was three years old when they were over. Not a clue except what they taught me in history class. And even still, you'd think I know a lot about the 70s, but I was a little kid. So realistically, the times that are my cultural sweet spot are the 80s. Um, I was in high school from 81 to 85 and college from 85 to 89, and I own those years like they're mine. I'm Reagan. I'm 20 years old. I am a college student, and I'm doing this podcast with my mom. So I'm not going to call her Kelly because I don't call her Kelly. I call her mom. So understand, that's that's who we're talking about. Um so yeah, I'm uh, born in 99, so I'm on the earliest end of Gen Z. I'm sorry, I don't know anything, uh, and that's okay. But um, I really, I'm the first end where we aren't borderline millennials, um, and there's a very real distinction. Um, yeah, so overall, this podcast... What so are we talking about? We made the realization that there are big generations, generations who get a big voice. Boomers get a voice. Millennials have claimed a voice. But X <laughs> and Z <laughs> X and Z are these little gens. We're the yeah. small gens. And sometimes people don't talk about us. We're forgotten. And ironically, we've made some really big changes that affect each other. Because often you've got Gen X parents with Gen Z kids. And we're not often talked about openly in the media. So it gives us an opportunity to create a dialogue to figure out where we can live in common ground. Yeah, so basically uh, just as a format, we kind of want to have a moment of uh, questions from Gen X for Gen Z to answer. Obviously, I am one girl. And I don't have the perspective of everybody who was born between, what, 1996 and 2012 or something. Exactly. Um, and nor can I reflect at all, all of Gen X. We're just two people, but uh, I'd say we have a pretty, pretty decent knowledge base. And but we'd love you to call us on it. If you think we're wrong, tell us. If you have a different perspective, share it. The only way we learn is to talk to each other and listen. In fact, if you want to come hang out, chat about it, we have a Facebook group, uh, X to Z Pod. You can find our page on there in the group. Just request to be in and you'll be added. Um, so yeah, so do we want to start out with our questions from Gen X? Yeah, so we asked our friends to throw some questions our way and help us. And one of the things that kept coming up between my friends was how much terminology we use in modern culture that doesn't make sense anymore. Um, like when I tell you to dial someone on the phone, do you have a clue what that means? I know what it means, but I think I wouldn't have, it's a fun piece of trivia now, not just something you know. Yeah. I mean, the irony was, and back then you only had seven digits and a phone number, not 10, but you would do the dial. And if you messed up one number, and by the way, it was pretty darn easy to mess one up, you had to start over every time. You might dial somebody five or six times before you got the numbers right. How did you call somebody from a different area code? 
Um, that was long distance, and it was really expensive, and you had to dial one, and then the area code, and then the number, um, and then you got yelled at for your par- at by your parents for spending money on long distance. How long was long distance? Like, how far did an area code spread? So, for example, we're here in the Dallas area in Plano. I dated a boy in high school in Waco. I got grounded for eternity for dialing Waco because calling Waco cost about a dollar a minute. Oh my goodness. And as a as a high school girl, you could spend hours on the phone. <laughs> Ain't that true? That doesn't change. All right, so what questions do you have? So there's other stuff like um like roll the window down. When we talk about roll down the window, well, I've been in a rental car where that was the situation, and Jeeps. But those are really uh, the only two places you see them. I think that one we know, though. Yeah. Now, the one that I found interesting, because I thought, I think I know the answer to this one, was, you know, for people my age, we either bought records or we listened to the radio. And those were our choices. And records went to 8-tracks, and 8-tracks went to cassettes. But you listened to things sequentially. So it was a big, huge deal when we got these cassette tape deck-to-deck recorders so that you could make what we called a mixtape. And a mixtape would be dozens of songs. Like I had driving mixtapes that my girlfriends and I listened to while we drove around. And it was life-changing instead of listening to one artist all of a sudden. So now I think most people are either on Apple Music or Spotify. And we do make playlists for our friends and with our friends, but it's really different because you can go through and like cue individual songs, you can do all that, and um, I know I've tried to convert both of my parents to Spotify and have failed miserably. I have Spotify, I'm working on it. But it's, it's a, you know, it's one of those things where generationally I think we've grown up in a very on-demand place and even way less than the kids after us. You know, growing up, I didn't have on-demand on TV till maybe middle school or so? Probably, yeah. Yeah, and now it's, you know, Netflix, YouTube, when it started when I, you know, I was a little kid, it was almost entirely dog videos. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I wish it goes back to that. But, yeah, um, the other question that came up about that tech was the Walkman, is do you have any realization what the Walkman meant? It was AirPods 1.0. Well, you know, the funny thing is, before you understand the Walkman, you've got to understand the boombox. And the boombox showed up in the 70s. But the boombox was big, obnoxious, unwieldy, and you were playing your music to everybody. Um, Anybody who's never seen John Cusack's 1980s movie Say Anything, where at the end of the movie he's trying to get the girl, her name's Ione Skye, and he holds up this boombox in the air, playing his music, trying to win her over, that tells you what the boombox was. So the Walkman changed everything because you could listen to your jam, and it didn't have to be anybody else's. That was the first time we had like headphones where we could just listen to something of our own. So you could go jogging or walking or dancing or whatever you wanted and play your own thing. It was the first silent disco. It was. And quite frankly, silent disco looks pretty much the same. So, you know, as parents, we struggle because we, of course, think we know everything. We actually know. We know very little. But um, around the holidays and birthdays, one of the things we're always looking for is gift ideas. 
And yes, I know there are certain, I could buy you a Prada bag tomorrow and you would be a happy, happy camper. Absolutely. If anybody else would like to do that, um, I will send the place to send it soon. But normally, would you guys rather get a gift, like an object, or would you rather get experiences? I'd say it very much depends on the age. When I was in high school, before I could drive or work, realistically, the only way I got stuff was from a gift. But now that I'm in college, you know, I have a way to make money. I can buy my own stuff. Sometimes it is nice because I can get nicer stuff from y'all. But I think experiences are something we're so much more hesitant to spend money on. Well, you know, one of the things you told me, we Reagan and I volunteered together for years in a mother-daughter volunteer organization, which was really good for both of us. I know it's supposed to be really good for the girls, but as a mom, I got a lot out of it too. And one of the things she made the realization of is that we traveled more than most people because while we don't live in a fancy house, we took our kids to lots of places. And sometimes they were super commercial places like Walt Disney World. But other times it was staying in a convent in Rome or flying to a tiny little archipelago off the side of Panama to go snorkeling. And it was little places, and that's kind of where we put stock. Yeah. I know I grew up with experiences being where my parents spent money, and I got some really cool stuff out of it. And I think at the time, I held a couple of grudges with not having the stuff. But the older I've gotten, the more I realize, one, as a kid, you wish for some really dumb stuff. I mean realistically i hope forever kids have always really liked really dumb stuff oh yeah um i kind of hope that lasts you know I, i'm afraid the ipad generation is gonna oh kill i can still loving really my dumb mother stuff. will tell you she stood in line at a toys r us for 20 hours to buy me a simon game those of you who are not gen x or after or before just look it up it was the hot game of the year it was before cabbage patch kids but it was a stupid little electronic game but she spent 20 hours trying to get one you would have never spent 20 hours in line for a tamagotchi no absolutely not um so yeah i think that once we got once we get older experiences are just things we don't tend to spend our own money on and i think that as the digital era has evolved objects are becoming a little less a little less pertinent so some of the other things that came up were basic life skills so one of the questions that came up is so th for those of you who grew up in the iphone generation if we turned off your data plan and handed you a paper map could you get from place a to place b could we drop you in a country or a city and let you try to find your way what happens when you don't have phone data? So I'm in a weird place. I think Siri's voice gets a little annoying. And I don't like the sound of things talking on a map, which annoys my friends to no end while I drive because I don't like to have um, the map on. But I'm, I think I could do decently well. If I'm near major highways, I could definitely do it. The hardest part would be figuring out where you are. And I think once, I think in our generation, once we know where we are, I think we can figure out where we're going. There are certainly Okay, that's a giant people. life lesson, by the way. If you know where you are, 
it's easy to figure out where you're going. You can apply that to like a hundred different things. Yeah, but if you're in a car trying to like get somewhere and you're on a highway in the middle of a desert, if you can figure out which direction is east and which way is west, right? you'll figure out if you're going to Vegas or middle of nowhere. Makes perfect sense. So are there other skills like that that you feel like your generation is missing out on? Um, I think there are some life experiences that are no longer taught to kids at home, and it's a very interesting thing. I know y'all were technically called latchkey kids. Oh yeah, and Daddy and I were do... both raised by working moms who, who, who put food on the table. So we were we were tough kids. Yeah, um, but I know a lot of kids my age don't know how to do laundry even. Like, they go off to college not knowing, did you know that Tide has a service where you can drop your laundry off in bags and they pick it up and wash it in trucks? So college kids don't even have to learn how to do their own laundry. You know, that's kind of sad and pathetic. It's so easy to do laundry. Although, the quarters in the dorms, I will say, it may have been cheaper to do the Tide service. Maybe. That's only because you're kind of high maintenance with athletic wear. You've got a thing about taking care of good athletic wear. Because I take care of it. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, life experiences like that. I know a lot of people my age don't know how to do a lot of basic life skills. And I think some of that grew out of the digital era. And I think also having stay-at-home moms kind of be a thing very briefly again, right when we were, like, little kids, I'd say... Gen Z is in a weird place where millennials kind of didn't have stay-at-home parents because boomers were big on working. Um, but, um, you know, we really, we were the helicopter parent kids. And what that meant is that we had people do stuff for us most of our lives. Now, obviously, that's not everybody. I actually started doing my own laundry because I'm a princess and I didn't like how they were doing it. Um... But, you know, that throws in another question that they asked me, which is, where do you learn new things? How did you learn to do things? Honestly, 98% of what I need is on the internet. Um, actually, when I was looking at how to make a podcast, I spent a good hour or so just Googling around. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. You know, that's just, it's how we learn everything these days. And if you think that there isn't something out there for it, there absolutely is. Um, the, the, other, the last X question that came up in this one was interesting to me um, because the gener we may be of Gen X and Gen Z, but as Reagan said on the front end, we are not everything Gen X and Gen Z. Um, but they asked, what are three things we think we have in common? And I think they didn't mean Kelly and Reagan. I think they mean... The Gen Xers and Gen Zers. Well, like I said earlier, I think the generations before us um, have kind of changed the world very quickly. Boomers went from very traditional, you know, those are the people who protested the Vietnam War. Right. I mean, those are movers and shakers in the world, and I think millennials have very much done the same thing in our generation. And I think that in the, you know, in the aftermath of that, um, whatever good, bad, whatever comes from everything, there will always be cleanup. And I think that you will have, you know, the decade after be 
a time period of excellent example be a time period of cleanup where you know it's kind of that keep your head down and work that's where i mean the story of jordan belford i think is very funny but it came out of a period where people were kind of turning a blind eye to what was happening because they had to i mean there was just this work grind mentality that i know my generation i mean there's so many songs about working really hard that just came out of you know which is funny because i've worked with very few Gen, uh, Gen Zers, because you guys are too young to be in my place Sorry, in the workforce. Sorry, the oldest of us are just now graduating college. Exactly. But I've worked with a lot of millennials, and they... Um, millennials want to go into the career of their dreams first. Not only that, but they're more than happy to change jobs 80 times in the first two years, and they... If you don't give them what they want, they can storm away pouting. And that was never... And maybe it's because I grew up having to work for stuff, but that was never an option to me. I mean, there was never the option of not working. From the time I, well, before I turned 16, but certainly from the time I was 16, I've had a job my entire life. There is literally, I mean, there were a couple semesters where I didn't really work in college, but all the way through high school, every summer and Christmas break college and high school, most years during college, and certainly when I went back to graduate school, I was working full-time while I was in school. I couldn't imagine not having a job. It was just part of who, it was how I was raised. If you are capable of working, do mm -hmm. something. And by the way, I don't want to diminish those people who volunteer in the community. I had 15 years of working in the Junior League of Collin County here, which is an amazing organization. Women who leave the workforce and choose to take those hours that they could make serious salaries on and, so and, submit, and submit those hours in community service are invaluable. They multiply the dollars that their salary could be by many by what they give back in the community. So please do not make the assumption about a paid job versus an unpaid job. Um, so, that's where we are right now. Unless there's something else, what else do we have in common? Uh, well, I think that was two. Yeah, it's kind of just one. It was one big one. I'll take one more from you, and then I'll let you take. I'll let Gen Z take over for a while. Oh, sweet. Um, what's another thing we have in common? Um, I know one. We don't have a fancy name. Yes, I would like to ask, what should the alternative be for Gen X and Gen Z? You know, it's funny, we've been named as the generation of reality bites. Well, I don't want to be a slacker in Seattle. We've been named, there's so many, you know, I'll claim all the... I like that instead of sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Slackers in Seattle! I'm going to call you that now. But, you know, I'll claim, I'll claim being the generation of the John Hughes movies. Those kind of defined who we were. But at the same time, I think we're bigger the and walk better. The men and women. <laughs> we are the breakfast club. I will Aww. claim the Breakfast Club, but you're right. I think maybe because there's not a singular defining factor, maybe we're broader than that. Maybe we're we more are. diverse than that. Sweet. So I have some questions from my friends because sometimes it's hard to ask your parents things that are just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to ask your parents. And... So now my friends are going to get to ask you, and I think that's so really cool. Um, so are you 
oh, this is actually to me about you. Are you more the same or less financially stable than your parents were at your age? I'm going to say now uh, I am not financially independent. I'm moving towards it in a very nice way. I will be when I graduate college. No, but I will tell you, I can answer this. You are more financially stable, and part of it is generationally you're more credit smart than we were. Absolutely. So when I entered college. I had the benefit of starting out with 80 bazillion AP credits. Not everybody does. But it meant that when I was the end of my freshman year at the University of Texas, all of us are halfway through, I was a junior all of a sudden. Back then, companies could send you a credit card without asking if you wanted it. Well, I was in a major that was designed to make money. So all of a sudden, Every major bank, every major gas company, and every major retailer gave me a credit card. Like, I had a 1980s wallet that was impressive as heck. It had everything in it. But I had no business with that credit. I had nothing backing it up. And at first, I was really careful with it. But I didn't have a lot of parental guidance about what to do and what not to do. And in all fairness, I didn't seek that parental guidance either because that was going to be a responsibility. And I built up some debt. And I spent the next 10 years after college fixing the stupid things I did during my college years. So one of the things that was most impressive to me is, Reagan, you nannied in high school. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the best, child, best uh, birth control a woman can ever have. Yes, if you ever think you want children, watch somebody else's for a few weeks. It'll hold you off a few more years. But it was interesting. When Reagan was getting ready to go to college, I thought I was going to do things better than I'd done it with her brother. And I said, you know, rather than just co-signing a credit card for you or putting you on mine, I thought we'd start you out on one that started out on your credit so you could start building your own credit. And a banker that we worked with really wisely said, well, she has a little income. Let's run her through the system and see if they'll give her her own card. Da, da, da. It worked. I am uh, on paper very financially independent. I fully admit I am not financially independent. I have worked most of my life. I've been blessed to not have to work during the school year in college, although I think that's going to change very quickly. Um, I do get kind of bored, if I'm honest. Um, and, you know, it'd be nice to actually grow my savings. Um, but overall, I, you know... I worked all the way through high school. Absolutely. But more importantly, you've been building a credit rating. And I think that's what's really critical. Because back in my day, you could just sign a lease and get an apartment. You guys now, when you're wanting an apartment, now I'm not talking about applying for a mortgage for a house. I'm just talking <laughs> about a lease. In the cheapest apartments in town. But they're still running your credit. Yeah. So it's really important that you protect those numbers. And that's where building your own history, I think, is kind of cool and kind of important if you get the chance. So yeah. no, I know you feel like you're not there. But I will tell you, you are so much better prepared. And I don't know. So this is, I realize I was a finance major in my undergrad, but this is completely an unaudited statement. I am so impressed with the amount of investment and saving apps that exist in the world right now for you guys to start out saving in baby steps or investing in stocks in baby steps. If I had taken advantage of every 401k savings opportunity that was available to me as a young person, we would not be in a tiny house right now. 
<laughs> but um, I think we have plans in the future to do an entire financial cast. Absolutely. And um, we may bring in some help. <laughs> and we may do some extra research just to make sure that we have good information for y'all. Um, that one particularly for Gen Z, but also for Gen X to figure out how to, if you have kids or anything like that, or honestly just good life advice on how to how to handle things. Um, so how do you plan? Sorry, a lot of these things happen to be about money because that's the thing that we have no idea about. Um, how do you plan out getting things checked off the bucket list? How do you get adventures in the books on a roll in a real way where like it's feasible? The first step is do it. Don't be afraid. I skipped out on so many chances because I was so afraid I couldn't figure out how to finance it that I gave up adventures that now at 52 I can't take the same way. Take the adventure. Find a way, realistically, unless you are the most high dollar princess on the planet, there Reagan, you are not the most high dollar princess on the planet. Aw, she called me low maintenance. But it'll never happen again. There are ways to make your dreams happen. Learn how to travel on the cheap. Make so, friends with people in other cities. I mean, like, through college. No, seriously. And then see That's if you can, like, sleep safe. on their floor. That would be safe couch surfing. Like, Bumble, not safe couch surfing. No, but your friends from college who live Absolutely. in other cities. Absolutely. It could be not your best friend, but you say, hey, I'm driving through. Is there a chance I can... Put an air mattress in your living room for the night, and you just got yourself a free night, and depending on if you live in the South or not, maybe free breakfast. <laughs> exactly. And if that's the case, if somebody's grandmother says, I'm making you biscuits, eat the biscuits. Oh, yes. It's very rude to not eat the food served to you in the South. But realistically, get serious about them. Most of your bucket list items, unless it's I'm going to travel the world for a year or more, are doable with a little bit of planning. And by the way, if you are planning on doing that, there are a couple of really cool resources out there. Um, there I know that there are a couple of um, sites where basically you can work for a day um, to basically pay for where you're sleeping. Maybe we'll talk about that in the financial cast, uh, money cast. Yeah, but not only that, but think off, like for example, be willing to get up early in the morning. The flights that leave at 6 a.m., are usually half the price of the flights that leave at 9 a.m. Yes, I realize that probably kills your late night the night before or commits you to staying up the whole night. Don't do it. It's not worth it. But it's better to... I don't want to spend money on an airplane seat. I don't really want to spend money on a hotel room because realistically my adventure doesn't occur in the hotel. My adventure occurs in the place we go. Spend money on the experiences, on the life-changing things. I promise a bed in Brussels is not vastly different from a bed in Boston. Just go live outside elsewhere. Go rafting, man. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, it's my favorite uh, outdoor activity. Pura Vida. <laughs> um, so, um, Next question is also financial apologies. Uh, how to make big girl purchases, uh, i.e. car or house. How do you start down that road? What's important? Okay, first things first. You, know? you do not need a brand new Audi at 20. If you guys want to know for real, I drive a car that is what, $4,000 that we ended up 
Oh uh, no, it was more than that. It was more than that. You Wait, drive. You I drive a GTO. GTO. What? Uh, GTO. six. No, because Wu's under four. Uh, whatever. Yeah. But all yeah, you all. drive. But yes, you under drive ten thousand. Yes, and it it's gonna last a long time. Also, for those of you who are ecologically conscious, uh, the emissions from making a new car are more than that of the emissions burned off from an old car, so it's more green to drive used. Well, and realistically, your generation, your generation and the one before you made Uber a, a thing. Yeah. So, realistically, what you're looking for is a vehicle that can get you from place A to place B. Yeah. And in today's world, we're working more from home, we're telecommuting more, so the vehicle's less a status symbol than it used to be. So first things first, it's not worth digging a hole. And I, Reagan, this is not going to be a popular statement. It is not worth digging a hole to have a pretty keychain or a pretty purse. Sorry. For those of you who don't know, uh, I really want a Prada bag. I'm willing to buy used, anything else. And I am all overused. I think it's a responsible... Actually, I think it's one of the things that your generation has brought to the forefront in a serious way is the fact that... Go green, go practical, go cheap. Yeah, well, that conspicuous consumption can happen on a smaller scale. Yeah. And I'm all over that. But, like, the house thing, I have coworkers who are blowing 1500 a person, and this is in, like, cheap cities, and we're not in New York or San Francisco, we're in Dallas, um, per person on the Q department, where if they'd move six blocks in another direction, Still they would save they would save half of that by not being in the shishi building. And there's a time in your life to have shishi and there's a time in your life to struggle a little bit. And I think you've got to decide when you're willing to struggle a little bit. Work a little so you can ball a lot. Absolutely. That I, was from Tom Haverford. That is from Parks and Rec. Great show. I do hate the phrase ball a lot, but I'm going with you on it. <laughs> All right, this is more of a fun one. How old do I need to be before I start using adults' first names? I am 20 years old and I've been taught my whole life to say Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, and I'm hitting the point where I need adults in my daily life that have nothing to do with you and sit, therefore are not the same kind of authority. Right, um, and it's funny, your dad and I would give you different advice on this one. Because my theory is if someone introduces themselves to you with their first name, if I say to you, hi, I'm Kelly, then from that day forward, I'm Kelly. Um, if someone says, hi, I'm Mr. Smith, then they're Mr. Smith until Mr. Smith gives you the right to call them Bob. And quite frankly, that's only a little bit to do with age, and some of it is just a personal respect thing. Every culture is different. One of my favorite questions growing up was I had a dear friend who'd moved from here in Central Texas down to Southern Louisiana, and we were both struggling raising kids with the fact that this whole first name thing was a big deal at the time. And we'd both grown up very properly with the theory that you raised your kids to call somebody Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. I earned extra bonus Cokes at a friend's pool because I always called her father Dr. Strong, and I remember to use the title that he'd earned. And uh, I had pers permanent bonus rights. But uh, he loved the way the Deep South did it, which was... You could be Miss Kelly or Mr. or Mr. John, and that was still the respect term without ever having to use the last name or a full title. 
and I love that too. But as a, but as young adults, it's really challenging. And I think you're in the worst of those times, Reagan. I think holo- uh, high school and college are the worst for that because you feel like an adult. And depending on the adult, they may or may not treat you like an adult. Like I have certain friends that if you called them by their last name, they would laugh at you. And other friends that would make the assumption that you're going to do it until they tell you otherwise. Yeah. So I think you got to kind of play it on a case-by-case basis. They will all eventually tell you to call you by the first name. But the timeline may be different. Man. Well... I actually don't have any more questions in that sense, but I have one last thing that I think everybody in my generation would like to know. How much hairspray does it take to get your hair to stand straight up? Like, percentage of a can. Oh, seriously, no. We, and it was cheap hairspray at the time. I mean, it was like bucket can Aquanet, but bucket can Aquanet with a really good back comb. It took both. You couldn't just use the hairspray. You had to tease the snot out of it, but you could create mall bangs that could penetrate a roof. Do you guys hear that? This is why our mothers are so good at teasing us. They spent all of high school practicing. Absolutely. So I hope you'll join up with us next time and maybe we'll have something a little deeper. Yeah. Um, I would really love, honestly, to do the money cast next. And I'd love to take questions from both Gen X and Gen Z. And I think that could be a really cool place to start with the questions that I know my generation doesn't have great resources for online because quite honestly, everybody wants to sell you on something. Yeah, well, and realistically, one of the things we made the realization is the letters X and Z are really close to each other. So as far apart as we may seem from each other on a day-to-day basis, like when we want to kill each other, X to Z is not that far. I don't really ever want to kill you. I just like to make you want to kill me. (laughs) It's a fun little game we play. All right. See you guys next time. Have a good week.